From the PSIA AASI Satellite Studios in Oceanside, California, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair. And today we're going to be visiting with Scott Velichka. And got some kind of exciting news for your school going on, Scott. Tell us what happened. Yeah, um, there's actually a couple stories within a story, but the story in the short term is that Kyle Wilson, our snow school director, approached me last November and said, hey, I've got an exciting opportunity. There is a grant or scholarship program that's available from PSIA Education Foundation for a small snow school scholarship. Would you help put together an application? Because I think this is right up our alley and you'd be good at it. So we submitted an application that outlined what we hope to accomplish to train staff, and we've got a lot of staff that are high school and college age that don't necessarily have the funds to participate in PSIA, let alone a full uh, level one event. And so we built a framework to train people, uh, pull them into some um, development and get them certified with a level one event that we hosted at our Hill. We submitted that application in November and we're pleased to uh, be notified that we're, we were the recipients of the scholarship in December of 2022. And what did you do with that to really grow your school? So what we did is we used it to develop our staff and specifically, we ran two events. So the, the funds were available to be used within the division or nationally. So we reached out to Ron Shepard and the team at the PSIA central office in Michigan and immediately scheduled a, an event for a level one certification that we ran in February. And then because of large volume of our client base, our um, uh, children, we wanted to make sure that we got a good children's event. So we brought in the children's coordinator for the Central Division, Lindsay Ward, to run a clinic for us that we ended up doing in March. Now, small school, how big is your school? What? And tell us about your ski area, ski and snowboard area. Sure. Sorry. Um, Nordic Mountain sits in the rolling glacial terrain of central Wisconsin. Uh, we, we're not big in terms of size, but we've got a 265-foot vertical drop that is well used across the, about 14 runs. It's a great area because we sit astride a market of almost a half a million people in the Green Bay, uh, Appleton, uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin area. And in serving that base, we draw people from a wider market to come out and ski and snowboard and tube at our hill. We've got a great mix of beginner, intermediate, and a little bit of advanced terrain and do a great business with school groups and families. And so our ownership is really focused on the notion of selling fun and um, supporting families. And one way we do that is through making sure we've got well-trained staff that can support the people that are coming out to enjoy an evening or an afternoon or a day of skiing and snowboarding with their families. And you are the snow sports school trainer at Nordic, correct? That's correct. And I've been in that capacity now for a uh, well over 10 years. And I think one of the things I want to point out that really drew us to this whole scholarship notion was the fact that as I've watched people come in and through the snow school, about 60% uh, of our team, which is about 50 ski and snowboard instructors at present, are high school and college age. And they don't often have the wherewithal to participate in things, but they're committed and come out and have fun. And so 
over the years, I tried to encourage several of them to get more involved or to participate in PSIA. And I was having luck getting maybe one or two people to kind of take me up on that offer, and I would mentor or coach them. But uh, we had a, a confluence of two circumstances, and this is really the story behind the story that prompted some different thinking. I had worked with a, a good friend and colleague by the name of Bruce Reynolds. He was a long-term snow instructor at uh, Norway Mountain in Upper Michigan, Big Powderhorn, and um, he had passed away following a, a brain tumor in 2016. And he was someone who collected every ski possible for every ski condition, was a passionate skier and ski instructor. And it was one of those people that would have paid for the opportunity to teach a lesson rather than to be paid. And his wife said, can you help me um, distribute Bruce's equipment? And I said, I think I have an idea. Let me tell you what I'll do. I'm going to offer it to some people in my network. And so we sold some pretty high-end equipment at a very reasonable amount. And I even able was able to give some skis to some of our ski instructors who didn't have the means to purchase high-end equipment. And from that, we took the proceeds of that money and set up our first internal scholarship for certification. And working with uh, Ron Shepard and the Central Division, we, um, in the 2021-22 season, did our first scholarship-based um, level one event and got six people certified on staff, including our current snow school director, Kyle Wilson. And that became the impetus to think more broadly about, gee, what could we do more fully? And then the other thing that uh, comes into play in addition to um, Bruce's contribution is we had a, a great young snow instructor who had passed away at the age of about 20 from a, a viral heart infection. And he was someone who was loved and respected. And I really started thinking, what can we do to memorialize Owen Eliason? And so the combination of um, the ski equipment we had from Bruce, along with the passion that Owen exhibited as a skier, caused Kyle and I and another one of our snow team members to think about ways that we could fund development for our instructors. So the, the scholarship we had this year was really a manifestation of having the supportive leadership and um, some funding and some passion to fuel all these things. And the result we've seen is some really good feedback from our guests and from our snow school team members. How many are part of your snow school team? Your snow school team. It sounds like you're very much family. Yes, I I would characterize um, that as probably one of our differentiators. Um, we've got people that return year in and year out, and it's really about building those kinds of relationships where you not only have one another's backs when you're at the hill, but um, you stay in touch uh, during the off season and look forward to each season when September rolls around and the offers are coming up. And I think that's been a big part of it. The um, Nordic culture, which goes back to, the hill was founded in 1976 and it's always been an area that's been a magnet for the local population to work there and literally grow up with the hill and be part of it. And so some of our best team members are people that have come in and worked in one area of the resort and grown into other areas of the operation. Well, it, I've got to say, when you said Green Bay, it sounds so cold. What is the weather like there? Uh, you know, we... 
we had a great season this year. I, I don't think we had really many truly cold days. We had, in fact, probably one of our mildest uh, Decembers ever where the temperature was probably uh, averaging about 32 degrees in some cases. And it was just because we have a great snowmaking system that we were able to open early and have excellent conditions on all of our runs. So our typical season runs, um, we open right around Thanksgiving, sometimes the week before. And we've typically gotten through mid-March and this year we were skiing up until the first weekend of April. So um, you can expect on average probably 20 degree days and there's a few that dip down to the single digits, but those tend to be more the anomalies than the regular occurrence. That actually sounds amazing. Now, you were saying earlier that the majority of your lesson are children. Um, what is kind of a, a, a typical day at Nordic as far as the ski school goes? Sure. Um, typical day. Um, one of the things that we did this year is we implemented uh, the snow operating system of terrain-based learning. So we did a significant revamp on our beginner area, and we started to offer free beginner lessons. So we still sell the private and semi-private lessons for uh, people that want a um, dedicated instructor to work with their children or a family member or an adult. But typically, we would start out with uh, some of the uh, assigned lessons at 10.30 in the morning and uh, 12.30 in the afternoon. But one of the things I enjoyed and I think the staff enjoyed is circulating among the five terrain-based learning stations. And when you would see people that were struggling or looked like they were out on the hill for the first time, coming up and saying, hey, how are you doing? How can I help you? And the lesson would unfold from there. So we typically have anywhere between five and seven ski and snowboard instructors roaming through the train-based learning area. And then the others are involved in the requested lessons. And then starting in January, right after the holidays in the first weekend of January, we run a program for uh, younger children uh, that we refer to as nestlings and navigators. And those are in some parent-child things. So for, the, for a toddler that might be three years old or four years old, they can come out with their parents and kind of a walkthrough in the beginner area where we've got a magic carpet. Uh, if you get into the navigators area, that would be something typically focused on seven, eight, nine-year-olds, and that is a multi-week experience. So we've got some great staff that have become pretty skilled at working with the uh, young children in that capacity, and then we've got you know another core group that are working with uh, adults as they come in or uh, school groups. And uh, Friday nights typically are a uh, madhouse when we've got 18 <laughs> or 20 school buses trying to teach 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th graders from the local middle schools. And what's your split as far as ski and snowboard? Um, I would, I don't have the exact number, but I would say probably about 50, about 60% of our instructors are uh, ski instructors and the other 40% are snowboarders and we're gradually getting some more ski instructors starting to move over and become dual discipline. And with the train-based learning, uh, the, the way in which we've taught and kind of clinic that is we're starting to look at some similar skills that you're developing in the early stages where people can work in either area. So we're really trying to encourage people to explore both disciplines, but um, right now we've got a few more uh, ski instructors than we have snowboard instructors. Now, it seems like you've really built a, a 
good uh, community of training there. Um, how is that going to grow since you uh, got the scholarship and have had some more people that are now level ones? Uh, is there going to be a push toward getting the level two or CS1? That is exactly, I think that would be my aspiration. I know that is what Kyle shares, is we've got several people now who are in a position with the with the scholarship funds we have to focus on level two. Last year, our big push was to get that level one experience. We really think it's important to get people exposed to um, the energy and the engagement and the learning that comes with level one. So we're going to continue to focus on that. But what we also want to do is encourage people to uh, build their skills. And I know several people commented um, when I asked them about their experience about learning the difference between skiing and technically skiing. And so I can see several people that receive level one this year that are, are already ready and moving in that direction. And then we're going to continue to invest in the uh, children's programs because learning to teach through games and helping uh, people to think um, the way children think is, is real important for our customer base. Anything you'd like to say to uh, members of smaller ski schools that are out there? I would say um, leverage PSIA. It's a great organization. And... Be able to think uh, creatively about working with your resort leadership in partnership to accomplish your objectives because um, it's not an us or them, it's really a we. And I think we are really fortunate with the leadership we've got. Our owners talk about the importance of selling fun and engaging with guests, and they do a great job of providing the tools and the facilities we need. And they've been very supportive of PSIA, so I think... Um, Building relationships and communication is imperative. And then uh, the passion, bringing in, don't be afraid to bring in um, a traveling education clinic or an examiner because those events showcase to people who may not have the ability to travel what's possible through the organization. And I was fortunate in my career that I got to go to numerous national events and have built a network, but not everybody has the chance to get out. So either going and seeing or bring people in uh, to see what PSIA can offer is important. And I, and I should be saying I see as well because we've got to remember the snowboard side. Well, Scott Malichka, I thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us on First Chair. Thanks, George. I appreciate it and uh, welcome any questions that people want to follow up afterwards. From the PSIA ASI Satellite Studios in Oceanside, California, I'm George Thomas.